Hello, welcome to the Ideonomics Podcast. My name is Neha Shazad Chandarajan, and I'm your host for today. I'm joining you from Ottawa, Ontario, which is on the unsurrendered and unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe peoples. And today I'll be speaking with our guest on her experience working in the equity, diversity and inclusion field, what made her pursue this career, and what we see for the future of EDI. I'm joined today by uh, our guest. Her name is Trudy Samuel. She is the head of the Office of Equity, Diversity and Inclusion at Natural Resources Canada. Hi, Trudy. Hi there, Neha. So glad you could join us today. Um, I wanted to start off, I mean, you've done so many interesting things across Can and across the government of Canada. Um, I constantly hear your name being brought up in this space in, in a good way. You're making a face, but it's in, a, in such a great way. Uh, honestly, um, everyone seems to know who you are. And so I wanted to get sort of a bit of insight into um, who is Trudy. Um, so perhaps maybe we can get a little bit, uh, a little bit of your story. Um, where did you grow up? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I grew up right here in the nation's capital here in Ottawa on Algonquin, Anishinaabe traditional land. My parents, uh, my dad came from Antigua in the West Indies and on a Commonwealth scholarship. And he met my mom at a dance. She's black Canadian. Our families have been here for seven generations in this country that came up from the States to be free made our lives here oh wow yeah. that's amazing so mm. did your parents go to the states first and then and then came here or no or no 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 my family is uh slaves that came to canada to be free oh wow so oh, we come sorry. from the states but a long time ago so this is our home i think it's a really important part of me being a civil servant is that canada is deeply my home and mm-hmm. I have a great reverence for this land and its mm-hmm. peoples, indigenous peoples. And also I have a great respect for that relationship. I've uh, worked in every province and territory. I've worked overseas as well. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, every time I come home, I'm like, oh, home, sweet home. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I didn't know you worked in every single province and territory. I've uh- been lucky. I've had a good career, spanned some 22 years in the federal public service. Oh, fantastic. And so what got you, what was the first moment that got you interested in equity and diversity? Um, Was there one sort of profound moment or was it a series of things that happened over your life or your career? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a... I come, like I said, I come from Ottawa and I, I was recruited into the federal public service because I worked with street youth. I worked with people in post-psychiatric care and emergency shelters, and I was formulating processes to help people speak to the systems that were not listening and that were um, not listening to their needs and were in fact oppressing them. So I got hired into the feds because I was helping young people, um, you know, speak to ministers, speak to federal council, you know, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so how did I get into it? Well, honestly, um, the harm is real. 
people needed um, in order for people to be able to take their voice, there's a level of healing that they needed and a level of um, well-being and confidence and support that they needed. And it was really nice to be able to help people to prepare for a briefing to ministers or to make a big presentation. But what underscored, for example, those young people in not being able to feel comfortable was that they had experienced a lot of bad things. They were getting thrown out of malls. They were being treated like real crap. And a lot of them came from difficult situations. And, you know, we say everybody's got a story. Well, it's exactly true. We all have various identities. We all have various pieces of difficulty. So I became a champion of uh, diversity and inclusion at Natural Resources Canada in about 2018. And it evolved to me um, being able to be considered for this position that I'm I'm very humbled and um, very gratified to be able to serve in this capacity. That is so powerful. I mean, to think that you were, like, it's not that you applied to come to a job in the civil service, but you were recruited and not just because of just something you were doing for natural resources, but uh, what you were doing for youth in the community. That's such a powerful story. And you must have such incredible stories from that time. I do. <laughs> Some a uh, little too crazy for a podcast, you know? Oh, but yeah. yeah. No, but I- it's real, like people are living trauma every single day and um, what can be done to address that in the workplace in a systematic way what can be done how can we lift each other up that's what I'm that's why we work with the employee networks that's why we're helping people that want to make a difference and make the shift from anti-racist ableist people who want to make the shift to being open universally accessible and supporting people who uh, have tons of potential so that's a thing you know what I think is a waste when people Mm -hmm. go by the wayside yeah when we set people aside in the civil service as if they don't have the capacity and the potential to grow and to make a huge impact for Canadians so yeah and it's so true we lose so many people just because it uh they just get lost, they get lost in the system or they become demotivated or uh, we get lost in the bureaucracy of everything, right? And, uh, and or we get fed up with the microaggressions and micro inequities, you know? We get sick of watching the micro affirmations of the people around us who are rising mm-hmm. above us while we stay where we were. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, it's that whole hand up, hand out. I also had the opportunity to work in Africa in Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa. And that's really a profound lesson for me in helping people to meet their own needs is usually a more sustainable solution than coming in as a hero. But it's so uh, lifting yeah. people up rather than rather than being the being the person that brings them up. Right. Yeah. And helping people learn how to lift themselves. That's right. That's right. And also how to correct the systems that mm-hmm. kind of hold people that kind of that hold people down. It's not a kind of. No. And you know because one of the things I've been aware of in the last little while is the system we aren't even aware of the way that we're holding other people back. Our indifference is what creates the harm because we never thought. We don't yeah. know. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. so right. Um that kind of reminds me of something we were just talking about earlier before mentoring program that I think you helped establish here, right? The part of mentoring program. Well, it's actually a, it's a it's a collaboration between mm-hmm. the Policy Analyst Recruitment Development Program Network, mm-hmm. the Young Professionals Network, and the Visible Minorities Advisory Council at Natural Resources Canada. 
Isn't that amazing? So they helped to establish that mentorship pilot project at Intercat. And it's really received a lot of uptake. So it's really great. Yeah, amazing. That's fantastic. It's not even something that was, well, not necessarily started from the formal office, but again, those employee networks that you were talking about, you engage with employee networks so much because a lot of the work comes from that, the quote unquote side of the desk work that so many employee networks do. Um, and it's so, for me, it was really um, just gratifying to see that work come to fruition because it was something that I think I was dealing with as well um, as part of the, the network that the networks that I'm a part of. It's like, well, we organize these events and we do some of these webinars, but like really, where does it get to? And seeing, I wasn't part of any of that, but seeing one of those, two of those networks be able to create a, like a meaningful, official, formal um, program that I think will actually do a lot of good here was just so gratifying. Well, and I think that we have to do things differently. Mm-hmm. We have to, and if we can help people help themselves, mm-hmm. it'll help. It'll be easier and more sustainable in the long run. Notwithstanding the fact that employee networks doing things at the side of the desk without that recognition, that's not where we want to go. There's yeah. work to be done there as well. That's so true. And that uh, I think brings us to the formal creation of the Office of Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, because I think it was recognized at Intercam that we don't want to do things at the side of our desk, right? So uh, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming the head of EDI and what that was. Right. Yeah. Well, in the summer of 2021, our current deputy ministers decided that they wanted to have a work plan on diversity and inclusion. There had been some signaling at the level of the clerk and the central agencies that this should happen. So a group of ADMs and DGs and a bunch of folks got together and started thinking about this. And, you know, I was involved because I was the champion for equity, diversity and inclusion and was working with Indigenous Affairs and really wanted to see this started in a good way. Um, the way it worked out is we developed a framework and, you know, it, it, it was a bunch of people at first coming together and talking about what do we do in this space? What do we, where can Intercan make its mark? Well, we got to walk the talk. We're going to focus on our workplace. We got to understand what's going on. We got to look at data and understanding what's going on in the natural resource sectors as well. And how are they moving on the um, equity, diversity, inclusion opportunity? We gotta look at um, advancing reconciliation. We are the Department of Natural Resources. Our mandate is about the land and indigenous peoples have an understanding and a relationship to the land that in the context of the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, we need to move on reconciliation. The other piece was we need tools. We want to develop tools for this because we don't know how to do equity, diversity, and inclusion analysis and incorporate it into our programs. Mm-hmm. And so my route to this was that um, they needed um, someone to to lead the mm-hmm. process going forward. And I think... Um, you know, uh, Deputy Tremblay, our current deputy, um, saw the capacity for leadership in me, which I'm really grateful for, and may offered me this position. Now, um, I was like, oh, what am I doing? What am I going to do? And um, I said, well, Trudy, I said to him, deputy, this is the way I operate in a collaborative consensus-based way, but with a focus on real results and tangible outcomes. Mm-hmm. I want to create a venue for people to come together because this work is hard. 
And if the department isn't willing to carve out space and time for people to do the work required, then it's not as interesting an opportunity to me. And he said, we're going to do that. So that's what we did. Um, And so I said yes, because of that hope and that possibility. And what I found from Enercan is there's a real upswell of people at the front lines and uh, that are really looking for permission to do what they're going to do. And so creating the conditions for people to flourish and getting out of their way. Hey, I don't, uh, I can't write a better job description than that. So that's what I do. That is just fantastic. And the fact that you got the support from DM Trombley as well, is just, um, it's powerful. It says that, you know, you have that support from the top for the position that you want to, like not necessarily that you create for yourself, but you have some expectations of this position because you've seen what we need. Um, and the fact that everyone at the top was listening and was caring and compassionate and built that in and the fact that you were able to build that into the framework, which you've uh, you've shown in a few sort of like webinars and uh, learning sessions, um, you know, it, it was something that when I looked at, I was outcomes piece, um, which I thought was something that was kind of not missing, but always a gap that we found in other sort of equity diversity initiatives, because we always say things like, uh, well, we need a more inclusive workspace but then we don't say what that is or what that means or what that looks like from a day-to-day basis. And the fact that you had built that into the framework was just, it was refreshing. It was powerful. Mm-hmm. It was just the fact that we're going to be like, we as Enercan, we're going to try and meet those goals. Um, is just, like I said, it's just gratifying. And well, it's really important for you to know it's not just me. And I've been told off as many times or maybe more than I've been right. What's been typical in this position is that it's about learning. So, and, and failing and trying and uh, getting, you know, a little bit of a, whoo, that was a bit of a slap down. Let's try again. So I think that the quality that I bring to this is um, perseverance Mm -hmm. because again, uh, that being founded on the notion that people are experiencing harm and that needs to be addressed. Um, That's what motivates me, but there's a whole team like behind me, you don't see them, but there's, amazing people and it's really my job to set up the conditions for them to be able to uh, to do what they do uh, to the best of their ability and to be able to track and report that it's making a difference that's my job too that's amazing and so how many people do you have now in the the office well they work like a team of 15 it's amazing <laughs> but we're fo- we're f- there we're five. Oh, wow so five total with yourself five total yeah oh, yeah amazing yeah sometimes you got to do that <laughs> Well, you, you know, it's, that, that. it ends up being my job to slow mm-hmm. people down at times, right? Um, there's lots of uh, motivated individuals and you know how Enercan works, we deliver. So mm-hmm. it's been, it's a real privilege to work with the folks in the office. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So just on that thread of you uh, learning and growing from this position and what it's brought to you and people's reaction to it, um, what unexpected surprises did you face when you were advancing this office or just as a champion at Enercan? Yeah, well, maybe I was a bit naive, Um, but um, one of the big surprises for me has been how it's moved towards you know, I started with um, 
coming to this work. And I should also say, I'm a person with a hidden disability as well. And mm. so I come to this work from the point of view of, of facing different barriers with my mental health and having to adapt the way that I work and do it in secret for mm. the first 20 years of my career. Um, and now understanding what the difference that makes now that I can say, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. One of the surprises for me has been how much each of us bringing our vulnerability to the table creates a space where we can talk from a real basis. You know, we mm-hmm. we get together, we do government bubba speak, we talk in our jargon, um, but really what we're trying to do is make life better for Canadians. And uh, when we all come from the intersectionality of all of our identities and bring ourselves to the table and say, this is our intention, this is the impact we want to have, we can do really great things. So I'm surprised and delighted at how that actually is making a difference in people's lives. Um, Mm -hmm. I also had a surprise in that, um, you know, there's lots of people who didn't see themselves as part of the work. and that right now I'm encountering people who say, well, I am, I'm of this background and I don't feel like I have a room to speak. I feel like I'm silenced when these issues arise. Yeah. And I just had an experience of this the other day with a woman of European background. And, and at the end of a beautiful presentation, there was this, well, you know, I just want you to know we've had some input from people of color and, uh, and but you know, it's not just me. And, and I just had to say, wait a second. Mm-hmm. This is about humanity. We all have multiple layers. We all have to recognize our privilege. We all have to understand our bias. Don't think that because you're of a different racial background that you don't have a space here. Yeah. We gotta, we like, so it's coming together to make things better. That makes it so important. But it's, it's been a surprise to me that I got to tell people that, that, Hey, it's cool. You know, we hosted a session the other day with uh, me and a colleague of mine, um, and um, he's a guy, he's a white guy. He gave me permission to call him that. And Mm -hmm. uh, he said, uh, you know, we were talking about what's it like to be around this EDI stuff? And he said, honestly, at first it's uncomfortable. And I said, oh, really? Why? You know, and he's like, well, should I be taking up space? And I said, are you are you a person that works with people? Are you a person? Are you a person that works with humans? Are you a person that works for Canadians? Then we need you to talk about anti-racism. We need you to talk about anti-Semitism. We need you to talk about these things that are having an impact in our workplace right now. We need you to talk about accessibility. We need you to be involved, engaged, committed. We need you to be making mistakes with the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a learning, it's a learning process for everybody. Yeah. And it needs to be a space where everybody, everyone can engage in the conversation and mm-hmm. understand where they're coming from. And that might be different from some where someone else might be coming from. I'm feeling like that, uh, that mentality, that awareness of space and taking up space and what your background is. Um, I feel like that's coming more and more to Enercan, like just even from the mentoring, right? Um, a friend of mine was paired up with a mentor and uh, her mentor is Caucasian, um, but he uh, was very open with her and transparent and saying, you know what, I know my lived experience was different than yours because she's of a, a background of a visible minority background. And um, I wanna hear what your story is. I wanna hear about what your lived experience was. And I wanna be able to try and help and 
like just inform that and be able to help you go through whatever issues or challenges or opportunities that you might face. Um, so just hearing stories like that brought me a lot of joy because it's showing that we have been growing as an organization. And I think, I mean, part of that was from the mentoring. It was just a space to talk about that openly. And sometimes that can be so difficult. It can be, but you know what a gift it is for the mentee to share their story with the mentor and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just start there. Hey, what, you know, what's your story? How did you get here? And, uh, you know, I think that's so powerful. Um, sometimes asking for this story and then acknowledging and believing it is so powerful. That's so true. That's mm -hmm. so true. And so what do you find as you've been working at Enercan or in the government of Canada in general, like what do you think we've been doing well in terms of EDI previously, like before we started the office or what do you find that we need to improve in Enercan? Okay, I think we have a vibrant community of employee networks that are quite strong. Mm -hmm. I think we have a, a beautiful community of people who are practitioners mm -hmm. that are mobilizing and experimenting and learning from mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think we have a senior management cadre that is um, understanding the need for this, not mm -hmm. just as a, oh, this is nice to do. It's the latest thing and the clerk's call to action asks us to do it, but mm -hmm. actually that we need to do it in order for our workplace to remain relevant to the people we serve. And we need to do it because people are suffering and we need to alleviate that suffering. Yeah. So I really, I think we do, we're doing that well. Mm -hmm. What do we need to improve? We need to improve everybody by getting everybody on board because the suffering is still happening. Our latest public service employee survey results for the government of Canada show that people from equity seeking groups are still having a hard time believing that we're addressing um, issues around discrimination and racism systematically, that they're going to be heard and resolved in a way that is um, respectful and that they'll get to resolution. There's, yeah. um, there's, a, there's a lack of faith, so we need to do a better job of that. We need to figure out how to measure this and be able to show progress so that the people who think, ah, equity, diversity, inclusion, anti-racism, you know, anti-homophobia, that's all just talk. We wanna be yeah. able to show those folks that we're making real progress and that we're committed to this for the long-term. We also need to put the tools in the hands of the people that are really making a difference. Like I'm working with the grants and contributions community um, mm -hmm. who are saying, how should we gather, how should we do data collection? What should we um, tell people if they're going to do a diversity plan? How should we understand and evaluate their um, a company's equity, diversity and inclusion plan if we make it a condition or a requirement or a preference mm -hmm. for accessing government funding? So these are things that we need to tangibly work on. And that's, those are the things that we're doing right now. We're also trying to figure out what counts and how to count it and I think um, you know all of those things and there's a ton more um, as we go forward you know that those are the things that we want to start knocking off and making sure that we can uh, we can demonstrate progress in a real way so that it's we're not going to get everything done we're not going to boil the ocean but we're, we're definitely going to make some progress so I'm pleased with that yeah 100% mm. and it seems like it is like, as you said, the more you talk about it, it sounds more and more like a learning process, right? Like putting tools in the hands of the people who need them. Mm -hmm. um, one of those is the grants and contributions team, which we don't often, you know, we don't often think about it, but it's so true. Those are the people that 
deal with mm -hmm. the public mostly mm -hmm. and approve all of the money that goes out from here as well. Yeah. There's one other place that I want to make sure I think I mention. It's about where does anti-racism fit? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, some people say, oh, do, you're doing equity, diversity and inclusion, and it's not looking at anti-racism. It's not looking at anti-Semitism. It's not looking at anti-Indigenous racism. It's not looking at anti-Black racism. And, mm -hmm. but I want to, re we need to center yeah. the behaviors of allyship. Mm -hmm. We need to directly understand and identify what we're talking about when we talk about creating an anti-racist workplace, because that is core in the culture change that we're trying to create. That's so true. That's so so it, defining that, and we're struggling with that, not struggling, but we're, you know, where do we go? How do we do it? Because we haven't mm -hmm. learned how to talk to each other yet as people, Racialized people talking to quote unquote non-racialized people. Can you believe I'm using those constructs as if it's human to human, right? Yeah. But we still have, there's still a gap there. There's still a gap between persons with disabilities and people who do not have disabilities. How do we, so we're struggling with crossing those gaps and doing it in a way that demonstrates that we're going to work on it uh, together across yeah. this bound. Yeah. Incredible. That's so true that uh there's no like we don't really even say the word anti-racism when we talk about diversity and inclusion right it seems like so it seems like a word that we can't use or for some reason yeah. must stay away from uh no. so yeah it's just like I come from, um, my undergrad degree was in psychology. I was really interested in neurophysiology. I was also working with kids that were on the spectrum of, for autism. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I learned in behavioral therapy and behavioral economics as well in my second degree was do not tell people not to be something. It doesn't give them a tangible goal. And when I worked with elder Heather Poitras, she said, my girl, you need to make sure that you're pointing out a vision of where you want to be. Yeah. not where you don't want to be, right? Yes. So we're moving from a society that um, where this racialized construct has a lot of importance. But mm -hmm. I'm telling you, in my nieces and nephews' future, in the grandbaby's future, mm -hmm. this stuff isn't going to be a thing. They have zero tolerance for making race an issue, for making a level of physical or, or mental ability or cognitive capacity an issue. They have zero tolerance for my old fashioned gender binariness. The world is no longer binary. We need new formulations for understanding, speaking about, and we'll get there. It's just yeah. that, you know, yeah, progress, time and commitment. Yeah. And so for people then like, not just your nieces and nephews, but anyone else who's working in this space or, uh, or just in the public service, what is something that you'd like to, to tell them? Like what's something that you want to tell your nieces and nephews, public servants? Just uh, Oh gosh, I guess I want to say have hope. One of the most beautiful things uh, that I'm optimistic about the future because this is not going to be something we can undo. Mm -hmm. I don't know more. Black Lives Matter. These horrible, horrible 
shootings and violence in the Islamic and the Jewish communities, mm -hmm. these horrible things that are happening to indigenous women right now in, mm -hmm. in terms of gender-based violence, the uncovering of these graves outside of residential schools, mm -hmm. the blockades and the situation where people are having their say. Yeah, Our world has changed on climate change. People who are learning to adapt to severe weather events. Yeah. We no longer can separate and uh, bifurcate that these issues are not connected. Mm -hmm. We no longer can ignore them and put them under the rug. They're too big. Mm -hmm. They're too big to ignore. So the hope for the future is that we're going to shift. You know, 30, 40 years ago, we were talking about women in the workplace. Look at us, yeah. you and I here, right? Yeah, here we are. Huh? And we were also similarly 20 years ago talking about the use of French. Yeah. So we are now in the next wave and it's going to be beautiful, but it's not going to be easy. No. So take heart, bon courage, uh, let's do this. We're going to be better together. And, uh, you know, these divisions about whether it's, um, you know, about who you are, your different identities, the fact of the matter is, we need a better space for humans to evolve. That's what we need. And so that's the work. And we got to stay focused on that and not be distracted by the, you know, the non-material things like somebody saying something that offends or somebody uh, making a gaffe or somebody thinking, uh, overlooking our needs. We need yeah. to be clear and firm and present. Mm -hmm. That's so true. It's so true. And I find everything that you say is just so true. And it's something that I find in the, like what I see as the future as well. Um, because like you said, like with climate change and disabilities and minorities, like it's all just interconnected and too interwoven at this point that um, honestly, I can't see uh, a future where we see them all separately. And I feel like that's where we're heading in that direction as a, an entire government as well. Like we see that from our, our politicians and our leaders saying, you know what, this is this whole kind of everything in its own capsule or in its own bubble is not gonna work anymore. Um, it's just becoming too nebulous to not be connected. It doesn't make any sense. So in sort of a post COVID world, if we do ever get to a post COVID world, like, um, I have hope for that one as well. <laughs> but uh, I wonder what you think, like, will these changes stick? What do we, what do you see for the future after we like, quote unquote, come back to the workplace? If we come back to oh. the workplace, do mm. we just go back to our normal, our normal from before? I don't think we're going to be able to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. Me too. I don't know more. Black lives matter. Anti-Asian hate. Um, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, truth and reconciliation, the uncovering of those graves, the yeah. data transparency, the requirement for us to be open, mm -hmm. the truth coming out. I don't think there's tolerance in the system for mm -hmm. us to continue to hide our eyes and to use ostrich methodology, hunchology hunchology and anecdata to build the future we want. So I feel hopeful because while it isn't obvious, there's uncertainty, there's things that aren't clear. We know it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And that's good. 
That's building a future that we want. That's being deliberate and intentional and being yeah. really, uh, really willing to take the risk because what we have, what did, what did we say? The definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over and expecting yeah. a different result. I don't have that paraphrase correctly, but we need to do things differently. We do. For all of us. Yeah. yeah. And like all the movements that you mentioned as well, I feel like they wouldn't have gotten the traction that they did if we weren't in COVID. Do you know what I mean? Just without the distraction of, you know, going out or being able to put your mind to something else, I feel like those movements um, just wouldn't have the, have had the traction that they that they got, like or the upswell that they got, and sort of the international attention that they received. Um, I, I really felt that uh, because during COVID, we um, we got really in touch with our depression, <laughs> and also also with just all of the issues that we often tend to put to the side um but that's a good thing yes As said, it's a good thing yeah uh, and i hope we can see that in the future mm -hmm. i hope we've developed the capacity to identify and contend with our inequities Mm -hmm. Our past, I hope that we are able to face our past and face ourselves and take deliberate and intentional action to remove the injustices, to eradicate racism, you know, mm -hmm. to eradicate ageism, sexism from our society. It's holding us back. Yeah. COVID just unveiled all of those inequities it's all at once. Mm -hmm. So it's our chance. Good Lord. Well said. Well said, so articulate, Trudy, as always. Um, in speaking of interconnectedness, um, when you were building sort of the office, were, for people who don't know, are there other EDI units across the government of Canada? Was that yeah. something that you were, were those networks um, places that you were in touch with? And what are some of those uh, those? That's... Yeah, you know, this is really happening across the public service, but in every, just like in Intercan, in mm -hmm. every department, there's a culture, a context, a mandate, so it's different. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been working, um, uh, working a lot, learning a lot with from colleagues in Infrastructure Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been working and learning from colleagues in um, Immigration and Refugees, um, IRCC, I forgot the acronym, I apologize. Mm -hmm. um, um, there's amazing work going on in finance. Canada yeah. and, and like so yes we've been connecting and sharing and learning and growing because why reinvent the wheel there's some early adopters that were way out ahead of the game like global affairs Canada and department of national defense and and justice and IRCC as I mentioned we're learning from them they're sharing openly their stuff so we're all growing and developing together um, and taking risks together and yeah we support each other and we're interdependent that's for sure I'm glad to hear that you're able to connect with so many different EDI groups and learn from each other because I do find that uh, sometimes when we start a new initiative, quote unquote, um, it's not new, right? That historical memory, institutional memory, there, it's sometimes buried there. But I'm so glad that you know what we're able to learn from our from our past lessons learned like we've had those connections we're building that connection 
Absolutely. And, you know, Enerken has some great things to bring to the table, like our employment systems review, like the work that we're doing um, around our clean energy hub and around data collection and diversity. So there's lots of great things to give and take. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're right. You got to be humble because there's somebody's done this before. I mean, this employment equity legislation has been around since like the 80s. This is not new. This is an old requirement. It's just that we haven't moved on it, you know, as much as we'd like to have done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, Trudy, I I just want to thank you so much. Every time I hear you speak or speak to you, it's just so refreshing and inspiring. uh, And you always have something new to give that I haven't heard before. So I want to thank you so much for spending this time and sharing your, your expertise with us today. Mm, The pleasure is mine. I'm really just learning. I'm a practitioner just like you. And um, these are reflections mostly learned from people who told me I was doing it wrong. So I'm really glad to share this time with you and this learning. And uh, yeah, let's let's just keep going forward together. We'll keep going. Thanks so much, Trudy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the Ideonomics podcast. I hope you are as inspired by Trudy as I am and that this gives you ideas and hope for our future. Thanks again and happy holidays.